Wow. Can you guys welcome our missions team from the Philippines? Come on up, you guys. I could have looked at those pictures all day long. They are amazing. Here is uh, Chase Duncan, is our youth and young adults pastor, but he's also an amazing man of God. He's a gift to this body, him and his whole family. So can you guys just just make sure that you thank him for sacrificing? He was sick the entire time. (laughs) Here they are. All right. It was, as you saw, uh, an incredible blessing. And um, this is just part of our team. There's a few others that um, aren't up here with us. And so what we're going to do is these, a lot of these guys are going to sit down, and we're going to just have one person at a time kind of just share a, a little thing that God really spoke to them on this trip and kind of give you a, a picture of, of what God is doing, not only in the Philippines, but God did in their life. And God is challenging them as they come home. And so we're going to start it off with uh, Susie Nelson's going to share with us. Well, good morning. Or as they say in the Philippines, magandang umaga. I want to tell you, I almost missed that trip. I, uh, my husband announced to me that he was going to go, and I had always thought that someday he would share his construction skills on foreign soil. And I was so excited that he was getting an opportunity to do that. And about three weeks after he had told me he was going, I was sharing with a friend, and she said, you're not going? And I said, no. It's never really been my thing. And the Lord spoke clearly to me, and he said, you didn't even ask me if you should go. And I said, oh, okay, Lord, should I go? And I waited on him for two to three weeks for a definitive answer because I told him, I'm not going to go because it's a cool thing to do, and I'm not going to go because my husband's going. I want to go because you're sending me. Because it's a huge sacrifice. It's financial. It's you're not working. You're, you know, and it's, it's a big deal to go. And so I thought, Lord, and the last day... The deadline, (laughs) when we were supposed to get in our our deposit, I said, Lord, I have to hear from you. Should I go? And he was faithful to pour many reasons through my brain why I should go. But I wouldn't have gone. I would have missed out praying for those beautiful women, (laughs) looking into their eyes, seeing the Holy Spirit transcend language barriers and still move and heal and touch. It was amazing. So I want to challenge you. We'll be going back. And just take the time to ask the Lord if you should go, even if it's not your thing. (laughs) Um, Just briefly before I sit down and pass the microphone along, the Lord showed me something really cool yesterday. As I was talking to him about what I would share As you saw in the pictures, uh, many of our team worked so hard to lay two foundations for some Foursquare churches that we're partnering with out there. And the Lord whispered to me, and he said, it was no coincidence that you laid two foundations. And I just saw it. And what we did there was we laid foundation with Kevin and with the other pastors, many other pastors in the Foursquare Square. Uh, denomination that we're partnering with there. And uh, as I was sharing that with my daughter, she said, Mom, that reminds me of the scripture in 
Second um, Peter, I believe it's 5.2, that says we're being built up as living stones. And it was so awesome to be there with our Foursquare family and with Kevin, who is part of, he's, he's an extension of us, you guys. We're the adventure. But we're just over there in the Philippines, and the Filipino people are so gracious and so loving and so beautiful. And it was such a delight and an honor to be there with them. Um, It just was unbelievable. So the foundations have been laid in many ways, and God is building an amazing work there. And anybody who is praying for them, giving to that work, and who supported us and who may go again with us in the future, you're part of that. So don't lose sight of that and don't forget them. Amen. And uh, part of the, my b- biggest blessing was being there with our amazing team. and Everybody was so awesome. And one of the most delightful young women I spent some special time with one afternoon was Makia Kelly. And she's going to share with you now. Thank you. Howdy, y'all. So when I was preparing for this uh, testimony about my journey to the Philippines, I was actually still in the Philippines and thinking about uh, two very specific questions. Uh, One, why did I go to the Philippines? And two, what did I receive from the Philippines? Um, And the reason I went was very selfish. I went because I wanted to go experience God uh, and his presence without any distractions in my life. Um, That wasn't my original reason. All the way back in March, I wanted to go and I wanted to serve people and I wanted to show people God's love and tell them about God. But I didn't feel like I had that in me. And I just wanted to go because I needed needed a new perspective on life. Because I'm still hurting and I feel like my life is hard and I can get so wrapped up in my life that I forget to worship God. I forget that he deserves my worship and my praise. And I've been resisting him and I've been putting my walls up towards him and it's been a very difficult process. And ever since Thayer's death, it's been harder and harder for me to cope with my life. And waking up every day has been very miserable. But God, he sees me, and he sees my pain, and he sees what I'm suffering. And he provided a way for me to go to the Philippines regardless of my reasons. He saw that I needed this. He showed me a different perspective of life, and he gave me reasons to worship him. He didn't have to do that. Not at all. (laughs) But he did because he loves me. And he will take care of me no matter where I am in life. So that's why I went. (laughs) And what I got from it. When people go on these missions trips, they expect something big to happen. Like biblical, huge miracles, like people raising from the dead and speaking in tongues and (laughs) mountains moving. Then none of that happened. At least I didn't see it. But what God did to me, he broke down all my walls that I have put up towards him. He broke all of them down. And he started building my new identity around him. 
not what I want to become or who I thought I was. Because that all has been changing. I'm definitely not the person I was at the beginning of the year. There was a pivotal, pivotal moment in my life um, on this trip that definitely changed that. And a select few of us, God took on a hike uh, when our team was working really hard laying the first foundation. And uh, it was beautiful. We were walking up this mountain, and it led to this huge open green field covered in trees. And there just happened to be down this point in a clearing um, that you could see layers of mountains. And it had rain that day, so the sky was gray and there was fog everywhere. And on top of the highest mountain was the um, 36-story cross. But that's where we went on our first day, and we prayed as a team to have God move in us. And it was fantastic. And God was there. His presence was thick. You could feel his presence. And he told us, the ones that went, to be still. We f- he physically showed us how to be still, just like in Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And he showed us how to do that. And that was the most, it was so fantastic. But that, that still wasn't the moment. It was on our way back. And we were walking down this green canopy. You actually saw a picture of it. It was this road with this beautiful green canopy and this whisper, this breeze blew by and it pierced my soul. And God spoke to me, just to me. He said, I am the God of the universe and I am your God. You are my holy child, and I will take care of you. And that is something I've been struggling with because I've been failing in all areas of my life up to this point. But be still and know that I am God. All my walls came crumbling down. None of my problems were fixed. I still have emotional, physical, and spiritual problems. But God began a healing process in that moment which was amazing. (laughs) Um, And he promised me a future, and he gave peace to my soul. At 3 a.m. last night, when I was finishing all my thoughts for this, (laughs) he reminded me of a verse, and this is what I'll close with. Um, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard, He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And that's exactly what happened to me. I just happened to be on a mountain at that point. This is the first coincidence. Um, And on this trip, I expected amazing miracles. Like I said, no fires, no earthquakes, no tearing winds came by. And God whispered to me, 
He reminded me why I was here and that he has a plan for me and he has a plan for all of you because you are all part of the body of Christ and he loves you so dearly and that's what we told all the Filipinos because they don't hear that, that God loves you so much and he has a plan for you. You are wanted and you are loved and God of the universe sees you. And as we walked down the mountain, I started to praise God again. And I hadn't truly praised him since they had died. It was the most amazing feeling ever. Ooh, so that's what I have. So. While we were there, there were many things that impacted me. Um, but what I'd have to say probably impacted me or impressed me the most was the power of prayer. I know that sounds kind of cliche and simple-minded, but I think it's something that God was already stirring in me before we left, and being over there and seeing it, experiencing it, and doing it for these people and these kids um, made it so much more profound. I don't know about all of you, but my life gets pretty busy sometimes, and prayer can kind of be on the back burner or not always the first thing we think about doing, but really it's the most important and the most powerful thing that we can do in every part of our day. Um, I was often asking myself, what can we do when we come back to Utah to continue to support Kevin and the Philippines? And there were two things that he brought to my mind. First, financial finances, supporting them on a monthly basis, not just once in a while, but all of the time. And then prayer. Um, and the Lord showed me um, an interesting parallel between the Philippines and India. And that's really what I was going to share. Um, having the privilege of being able to go to both India and the Philippines, um, I got to see a cool parallel. There's Mark and Hulda Buntain. And then we were in Bataan, Philippines. Um, in 1954, Mark and Hulda began their mission in Calcutta. They thought they were going to be there for a year, but they never left. After 54 years, I got to go there and experience the fruit of their humble beginnings. It now includes over 800 churches, an entire educational system, several Bible colleges, a hospital, a nurse's training center, and a feeding program that feeds over 25,000 people a week. Their ministry has touched an estimated 230 million people. Now I come to Bataan in the Philippines as Kevin and Shanna are one year into a very similar journey. They're currently working on three churches, to which Susie mentioned we worked on the foundations and feeding close to 500 people a week. His future vision includes a school and more churches, and we don't know what God has planned. Um, so then I was thinking, how did Mark and Hilda do what they did in, the, in Calcutta and touch so many lives? And it was prayer. Mark rose at 3 a.m. every day and would pray for two to three hours before he ever started any day. And it was said of him, 
Anyone who ever prayed with him would never forget it. And so then I thought, how will Kevin and Shenna do much the same in Bata'an? And it will be prayer. Not only Kevin's, but ours as a body for them and the people in that land. In a book that I've been reading, it says, God has strategically chosen to establish and utilize prayer as a part of his sovereign plan for us. It is like oxygen to our spiritual lives. It provides the needed wind to ourselves to propel everything we do as believers. And it's the unseen key to the success of every ministry of the church. Um, I see prayer differently now. And I want to impress on you to make it an important thing in your lives, for yourself, for your family, but for Kevin and for the Philippines, for our church, for our pastors. It does so much more. God is faithful to answer and to respond when we pray, when we reach out to him. Um, and I'll just end with this verse of John fourteen thirteen it says, Whatever you ask for in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Pray for this mission so the Lord may be glorified in this land, in the Philippines, just as it has been in Calcutta. And I was going to try to say God bless you in Tengali, but I'm probably really going to slaughter it, but it's Babableon Conandios. <laughs> Something like that. Hey, so my name is Miranda, and I also went on the Philippines missions trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at first when I like felt, I guess God really put it on my heart a long time ago, probably back in March, I was really excited, and I was really excited to like go and serve the people there and really make an impact, you know. But um, as it got closer, I got super, super nervous. And, you know, time comes, and then all of a sudden we're boarding the plane, and I'm like, really? This is so big for me, God. I'm like, I'm just, I'm little compared to you. I'm not ready. So we get there, and it was, it was awesome, amazing, seeing how God is working in these people's lives, right? And it was just really inspiring to me. Um, and the first feeding we did, we split into three groups. We had a group for children's ministry, a group for greeting people, and a group for prayer. And I like immediately jumped into the children's ministry group because I was like, I'm comfortable here, you know, that's good. <laughs> and God was like, yeah, you need to be in the group for prayer, right? And I guess he told Kevin that too because he picked me out of the children's ministry group and put me in the prayer group. And I was like, oh man, definitely way too big for me, right? Um, so I'm super nervous the whole ride there and totally just like leaning on myself, kind of being insecure, focusing on all the things that I should be doing, all the things I should be saying. And God was like, you really need to lean on me through this, through the whole trip, really. Um, and we start praying for these people and I just... I feel like God is just starting to really speak to me as well as the people, you know. I was like, there's a language barrier there. I didn't know how to really get through to them, but God was like, just trust me. Like, I will get through. You don't have to do anything. Just just trust me. Um, so he starts breaking down all of these walls of fear that I had built up for, like, ever, my whole life, um, and just starts breaking them down during these prayers, and I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. Um, but it was really... It was really amazing to see God not only work in, like, 
he like he had no limit there, you know. It's like, and he has no limit here as well. Um, uh, the verse that he really laid on my heart there was um, Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, before when I heard that verse, I thought a lot about, oh yeah, I can do a lot of things that I want to do because God gives me strength. <laughs> um, but he totally changed my perspective and like rerouted me and showed me I have a purpose and a plan for your life as well as like everyone's life. Um, but you can do the things that I have planned and purposed for you, um, through me and I'll give you the strength and the courage, I guess, to do so. So it was amazing. The trip was really awesome. Um, Justin? <laughs> um, with God's help and a lot of your help out here, um, I was able to make the trip. Um, when they announced the trip, I've been to the Philippines before, like 20 years ago, and uh, God put it on my heart. You need to go and you need to photo document what Kevin's doing and what God's doing over there. So with that, I told my wife, and she was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> we can totally afford that. Um, but it was, <laughs> leading up to the trip, it was a huge test of faith. Um, I always try to do things myself, and God was like, I will get you there. Just take this step. It's all you have to do is take this step in me, and... Don't worry about what happens after the trip. Um, I'm working on a project, and it won't be done till probably the end of January. Um, but I'm not even to worry about that. God's like, that's in my hands, and what happens from it is up to me. So I don't even know. But it was way cool being able to uh, sit back and do what I do best and watch people. <laughs> and get in their comfort zone and snap pictures of them. Some people didn't like it, but whatever. <laughs> um, it was really cool to sit and observe the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, being there, it reminds me a lot of this valley. It's so overchurched and so oversaturated with religion. And over there, it's a little more corrupt. Um, even some of the Christian churches, talking with Kevin, um, there's corruption in the church. So the Holy Spirit pouring through all of these people and the pastors over there and Kevin, just the name of Jesus Christ, people would light up. And it was a total light in the darkness. It was amazing to watch, just to be able to sit back and observe it and try to capture it. So... I guess coming back from the Philippines, um, a challenge to myself and to all of you, even though we are in an over-churched and over-religious populated place, there's power in the name of Christ. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit flow through you, Amen. whether it be at work, at home, with your family, to strangers in the grocery store, Eric. <laughs> Let the power of God flow through you and impact someone's life. Just share. That's all I got. On a mission trip like this, yeah, we're going to reach people within a, a land, within a country that needs reached. We saw hungry people. We saw hungry kids. Hungry physically, but you know what? They were hungry spiritually, and they, sap, they just sucked up everything that we could possibly pour out as the Holy Spirit did. 
couple things for myself. This is about what God did in each one of us, and each one will be sharing this morning, about things that God was doing through us, in us, to the people. That's what it was about. It wasn't just going, for me, doing a building project. I did a lot of that, but that's okay. The thing he wanted to do in me was show me some reality of his word. Second chapter of Acts, you know, where the, we see that the, the disciples were called to gather together in an upper room and that the, the, the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on them to be able to do things as prophesied in Joel where it said that he would pour his spirit out and that they would just be able to prophesy and they would be able to speak in other tongues and, and understand what was going on. And that was one of the first scriptures that the Lord just revealed to me about being able to just communicate with these people. You know, my thought was, I don't know Tagalog. I don't know how to talk to these people. I certainly don't know how to understand it. And they don't really understand English all that well. They do somewhat. But the Holy Spirit just showed up in a huge way, just like on that day of Pentecost, where that when we went into neighborhoods, when we went in and prayed for people, we saw us sitting and praying with people. I, the first day out, I got to go in and with one of the other pastors and, and pray for people in their homes. And it was like, well, I don't know how to speak this. And he wasn't going to interpret. I just spoke and prayed what I felt the Lord put on my heart. And I knew, I knew that they understood what was going on because the Holy Spirit just showed up in such a mighty way. And he wanted to show me that he is real in that way. I've experienced it. I've been in that. But it's just a new, fresh way. I just encourage you, be just Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a fresh way. Each day, his mercies are new each day. Let him fill you and just speak through you and be used by you. Another verse that that he made very, very real to me was when Jesus in Luke, when that he got up and he picked up the scrolls and he read from the scrolls. Um, and he, he, it was the scrolls from Isaiah 61 said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was a verse that he just wanted to work in me in a big way. You know, I talk to people pretty regularly and pretty freely about the Lord, but it was like this new way he wanted to do it. It was just to proclaim good news. You know, got mentioned that having food was good news. Having this and that was good news. But what Jesus did to set him free, the gospel message, that was the good news. And in my English, just the way that I'm speaking right now, they understood that good news. They understood what God wanted to do in setting them free, to be able to proclaim those things, to to see liberty set to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. He wanted me to see that in a fresh way. And I just encourage you guys, be open to allowing those verses, those very things that God wants to do and did for me and for those people to be active in your life as well. Allow the Holy Spirit to just and to, to be used and be open to speaking the good news, the, the gospel message. That's what it was about for me. That's what God wanted me to see, and I was just so grateful that he did. Amen. Hello. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chelsea. Um, This experience in the Philippines was so amazing. Um, I'm just going to start with um, a little backstory about myself. Um, A few years ago, I lived a life for myself, a very selfish life. 
And um, I wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church, any of that. Um, And it wasn't until about a year ago when God brought me back to him and I started getting more involved again. Um, He... He has shown me, he, okay, so when I first heard about the Philippines, um, I felt like he called me to it, but in a way I felt selfish about it because I was like, oh, I want to go out of the country and experience this, but it wasn't about that at all. Um, So when we got to the Philippines, it was so beautiful. Um, In the pictures that you saw, it's called um, the cross on the mountain. It was called Mount Samat, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just beautiful. And when we were driving there, I didn't know we were going there. And I was like, Noah, look at that cross. That's so awesome. And he's like, yeah, we're going there. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. So when we get there, um, I didn't know it had an elevator in the cross. So um, we got to go up into like the arms of the cross. And um, just being up there and like seeing the view, I just felt the presence of God. And um, it was really it's really hot in the Philippines. <laughs> and um, there was just um, a breath of wind on our bodies as we were up there, and it was just so calming. And I felt like God was speaking to me and saying, I got you. Um, I didn't know really what to expect in the Philippines, but that was the first thing that I heard that he spoke to me. So um, going into a few days later, um, after we did, like, all the feedings for people and, like, meeting all the children and families and everything, um, I was challenged in prayer. I struggle with prayer, and um, mainly, like, when it's with people and around people. So when we were separated into groups, when we did feedings, um, we had a prayer group, a feeding group, and um, a greeting group. And the one day that I was put in the prayer group, I... I was really nervous. I I struggled with that, and I was like, um, they won't understand me because I don't speak their language, and I don't exactly know what to say, and I was just super nervous about it. But um, I learned through my experience of praying with these people that God can speak through you, and he will interpret what he wants them to hear. And um, just experiencing that and being able to be a part of that was super amazing. And um, that was my challenge from God in the Philippines, one of them. And um, he just opened my eyes to the power of prayer and how powerful it really is and um, how it just speaks life. And he can really touch lives just through that. And so even being able to go through the villages and stop at people's houses and be able to pray with them, you could just see people touched and people crying, and it was just amazing. Also, um, what this trip showed me, I had a couple hard days, and in those days I was being very selfish. I was just thinking about myself and not really about God and what his purpose was for me there. Um, But one of the days that really hit me, as I was put in the prayer group again, I was really upset about that. I was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Like, I'm having a really bad day. And so they put me in the greeting group. And after I did that, I was greeting people, and I was like, I should be praying. Like, like I should be over there helping. And once the line for the prayer started filling up because everyone was taken by all our people who were praying for them, I just saw the line filling up, and it was just on my heart. 
and God's saying, just go pray for them. Like, get over yourself and go pray for them. Like, these people need Jesus. They need to see Jesus, and they're not seeing that through you when you're acting like this, you know? So... Um, I went to Shana, and I was like, is it okay if I pray for these people standing up since there were no seats to pray? And she said yes. So I just formed my own line and started praying for people. And um, it was just really impactful for me. And that's something that really stuck with me on the trip. And also what I realized in the Philippines is these people need Jesus just as much as we do. And... um, Even though we left our reality to go to the Philippines, that's their reality, and that's how they live every single day. And um, even though it's different for us, Jesus always stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, I just have one last thing to say. Um, It's a famous scripture everyone knows. It's um, Jeremiah 29.11, I think. It's, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. that one. I don't know the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, that scripture always speaks to me, and um, it always just um, draws me closer to him every time I hear it, because even though I don't know my plan for my life or the lives of others, I know that he has a perfect plan for each and every one of us, and um, just putting our hope and trust in him is all we need to do, and he will do the work. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. Where to start? How do I fit all that I saw God's hand in into five minutes? It's impossible. Uh, you guys have seen and heard uh, each of us in kind of our own way. Um, so I just pray that uh, God will guide my words because I could probably talk the whole rest of the service about all that I saw happen. So I got asked a lot of questions like one in particular... What was your favorite part? Rice. (laughs) I love it three times a day. I was super excited to get home because we have rice here too. (laughs) No, we were very, very blessed. Uh, I would have to say one of the first things that I saw right off the bat in the Philippines was how God's hand opened, how God opened the door for this trip to be possible. Miracles happened in ways that each of us could, could tell you. Um, after getting there was when I started really noticing what the miracles were. Um, you know, all of us being there, of course, was a miracle. Um, but what God provided for us, we expected to go into, we expected to sleep on dirt, dirt floors. I think most of us probably didn't know what to expect completely, but we knew we were going uh, to serve the Lord and that he would open the door, and he did. Um, Through talking to Kevin, miraculously, these apartments were opened up for us that we were still got to sleep on the floor. We still didn't have hot water. It was all cold water, which, in fact, ended up being a blessing. (laughs) Having a cold shower was the only way to go to sleep. (laughs) Um, also just, uh, the, 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 uh, vehicle situation, just being able to drive around, the Lord provided a van out of thin air, 
um, for us to be able to drive around in. And that van is also a huge blessing to those people there because most of them don't have transportation or even the means to pay for a, a taxi ride or a jeepney, so they call it. Uh, Jeep me ride or a tricycle ride, which is their main source of transportation. Um, so we, we were blessed in so many ways. The biggest blessing, though, next to rice, was toilet paper. <laughs> yes. Uh, that door was opened as well, because apparently most of them don't have that commodity. It's amazing. So my point is, is... How much that we take for granted here, you know, how, how blessed we are, and we're almost blessed too much because we're blessed to the point of not thinking that we need God to be blessed anymore. And that was a huge piece of what I took back from there is what is, is how much I take for granted here. But at the same time, looking at those people as how blessed they are that their need for God is the same as ours, but to, theirs, to them, it, it's, that, that has to be an everyday thing. And that's why I think that our trip was so impactful, is we were able to show the love of Christ through us. And it was truly a blessing to be able to, to be a part of that. Um, we had our daily devotionals uh, every day where we'd, you know, each each of us got a turn to do a devotional, uh, but in that time we were able to talk about some of the things that we uh, that we were experiencing, that we were feeling, that we were seeing God's hand in, and uh, and He confirmed it many different times uh, that we were right on track. Uh, but one of them was that we used the analogy a pin dropping in water, and uh, and. Maybe that was me. I don't remember exactly, but Kevin stopped us and saying, "This is this is no pin." And what that that analogy represents is a pin dropping in a in a in a pool of water that's completely still. You see the ripple effects travel and travel and travel and travel and travel. And uh, the reason Kevin s- stopped me on that was. To say that this is a lot bigger than a pin drop, this is a bomb going off, okay? And that's what was awesome. And, and I'm impressed to say that because I can, I can truly say that there was a lot of frustration for me while I was there. And I can see why that is because I have such a need to be in control of my destiny and control of what I can control when I'm really not in control. And God shows me again and again, and then I step back up in my pride, and I think I'm in control again. Uh, the, the reason I bring that up is probably one of my first frustrations was, as Chelsea was saying, was prayer. The language barrier, of course, they, they understood some things, but the language barrier was huge. And maybe unlike some of them, I feel like I'm pretty dang good at prayer. <laughs> and so I'm going and I'm going to pray for these people. I'm going to 
do something to get these people saved. I'm in my own power going to do nothing. The frustration was coming from them not being able to understand me or me not being able to understand them and how I can pray for them. The point was not that I needed to pray for them in my miraculous, with my miraculous praying skills to have, help God enter into their hearts. No. It was the, it, the ripple effect was the fact that people are coming here that are not from here, that are a completely different culture sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Most of them heard of Jesus Christ, a lot of predominantly Catholic there, uh, those who are religious at all, they know, but they don't understand who Christ really is. They're still paying their preachers for to redeem to for their sins. We came and dropped the bomb of love of Jesus Christ in that place through praying because. We're there to pray, not to not to for us to help them in our own power, but through the, to bring the love of Jesus Christ to them and show them how much He loves them and tell them that He has a plan and a purpose for them to plant that seed. The planting of the seed is the bomb that we dropped, and the ripple is going to travel everywhere there. They're not used to seeing people coming in and feeding and praying and doing those types of things. That, he says that they're going to be talking about that forever. They're going to be talking about what God, what they saw forever. So that brings me to point number two was my second major frustration was we're going to build churches. <laughs> Woohoo! This is how we can get this whole thing done. We, these things are just I could build one of those in a day here with, with all of my tools and all of my know-how. Yet we were only able to, and we worked our tails off, I'll tell you, we were only able to lay the foundation. And that is another enormous symbolic point to me, is we're not going in there in our own power to do to save all these people. We're going to lay a foundation. We're going to make an impact. We're going to plant a seed. We're going to show the love of Jesus. And that's it. That's all we need to do. We don't, the Holy Spirit will do the rest. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can do it, period. We were able to be his instruments. And my frustrations kept coming from my own need. As Jeremiah or Isaiah 64 Jody talked about a couple weeks ago, our righteousness is as filthy rags. No matter how much we do, no matter how righteous we think we are, no matter how good we think we are at this or that or what we can do, it's still nothing compared to the power of Jesus. And I am so grateful to have been able to be a part of that and to see the foundations of enormous work going on there in the Philippines. And that brings me to my closing point is Matthew 23, where Jesus says, the greatest of all is the servant of all. We went to serve. And what better time to emphasize that service than as we're heading into the holidays?
okay, how much we take for granted, how skewed the view of the Christmas season comes. This is a time, this is a time to show the love of Jesus Christ all throughout the year, but this time of year specifically. I challenge each and every one of you, find a place to serve. Happiness comes through service. It doesn't come through presence. It doesn't come through money. It, it comes through time spent serving the Lord. So whether it's here at church, whether it's at home with your families, whether it's finding something to give or help with, find a place to serve. And that's where the joy, that's where this Christmas season can be different than all the rest. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Or in Tagalog, Magandagumanga. Um, just to kind of follow from what Heber said about how much we take for granted, you don't understand. Toilet paper there, that's not a normal thing. So for us to be able to have it the whole trip as well as running water, um, three meals a day, even though rice was a side dish to all of them, um, that was huge for us. We went there... I mean, you compare the houses we have here to what the normal populace lives in on a daily basis. We have palaces for homes compared to there's Kevin told us that there's a class difference in whether or not you have a concrete floor versus a dirt floor. doesn't matter what the walls are. But if you have a dirt floor versus a concrete floor, those with a concrete floor are going to look down on down their noses at the rest. And we were going into areas where these people, if they had ever seen Americans, didn't have a super favorable idea of them. And we were going in as a group of, what, 14, 15 of us. And we were feeding these people. We were getting dirty and building foundations for these people. Um... I think the last night we were there as we were, as the guys were finishing up a foundation, um, one of the families turned on the radio they had in their house. And there was maybe four or five of us girls that got on the back just out of the way and started dancing. We had in a matter of minutes, a dozen kids that were over dancing with us. We were just having a good time and laughing. Kevin told us later, that doesn't happen. That never happens. People don't come and touch these kids. They don't come and hang out with these kids. They don't come and just be with these kids. And that was a huge awakening for me. Um, One of the biggest things is, yes, we were going to spread the word and, you know, see what God would be doing there. And one of the biggest ahas was these people had... In our standards, nothing. Um, You know, they're lucky if they have electricity. They're lucky if they have access to running water. In most places we visited, there was a communal well that had to be pumped for you to get water, to bathe, to do your laundry. Um, And when we went to the youth service that Pastor Kevin has on Saturday night, I have never been to a more amazing worship time. And I've, I've been to concerts, you know, for the big Christian names, you know, Jeremy Camp, Casting Crowns, Mercy Me. 
in a stadium of 10,000 people. But this room filled with 50 of us, with no air conditioning, just the fans running, and 80% humidity. (laughs) And these kids couldn't help but be as loud as they could. They were on fire for God. We don't have that here. I mean, yeah, we come to church and we worship, but like Noah said earlier, and we were able to talk on the trip, we're only giving maybe 75% of ourselves to God. These people were all in both feet, head first, however you want to say it. These people were in it for God, and it didn't matter what they had. They were going to give everything to him. And as a group, we were talking about how do we carry that over when we go home? How do we carry that over when we go back to our normal, our hot water, our, you know, you can turn on a light at the flip of a switch, you know, our air conditioning in the summer, you know, I could go on and on and list 20 different things that we have as a convenience or as something we don't even think about that these people don't have. And yet their passion was amazing. Um, A couple of the pastors we spoke to or that hung out with us a couple of the days, um, Pastor Brian and I think it's Pastor Marion. No, the Marina. Thank you. This sweet little old lady that was living across the street from where we were building a foundation. 60-something years old. And when she talked, she had hallelujah, praise the Lord, and amen as, like, commas. <laughs> it, you know, like, you think some people have Tourette's when they talk and they just spit out, you know, usually not so nice words. No, she would talk and praise the Lord, and my husband and I are helping to work, and hallelujah, I got called to be a pastor, and amen, I just have to go and, you know, do this even, you know, because that's what God called me to do. I'm like... People don't talk like that. They just don't. And here she is just rambling on, and it's every third or fourth word had to be, you know, glory to God, hallelujah. And when Pastor Brian prayed, it was like a swell came in. You know, we didn't have the, you know, people being raised from the dead. We didn't have the, you know, miraculous healing that so many people think about. But we could see it in people's eyes that their sickness and their spiritual disease was healed. Mm -hmm. We could see that they were understanding even our very simple attempts to pray for them with our English and their broken knowledge of English. And when Pastor Brian would pray, he could jump from Tagalog to English in almost effortlessly. And same thing when he prayed, every other word was hallelujah. Was He was praying like he was standing right in front of God, just like it says in Revelations that the, um, the kings were on their faces, throwing their crowns in front of God. That's how he prayed. And that was such a huge impact to me to realize 
I'm praying for people that don't understand what I'm saying and it's getting through to them. So how little of an excuse do I have when I go home and I can pray for people and communicate and understand what their needs are? I have no excuse to not pray. None. Especially after what I saw. Um, I just wanted to share real quick. Hebrews 11.1 1, um, was a scripture that came to me in first service. It was also one that we went through in our daily devotionals. Um, and this is out of the NLT version. It says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Just like Heber said, we weren't praying for these people so that we could see a difference. We were praying that they would see the difference that God makes and that we would be able to hear the stories down the road. We were all so excited to see people come to Christ or to be able to talk with Kevin and let him know, hey, we want to hear what's going to happen with these people. We want to come back and be able to see what God's doing here. So I just urge you that even if you feel like you have no prayer life or you have no idea how to pray, I promise you it doesn't matter. Just opening your mouth and trying and waiting on God to even give you the words or just letting him know, I have no words. I don't know how to pray right now. He'll tell you how. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Like first service, I didn't prepare anything. (laughs) So uh, anything you hear, hopefully, is going to be from the Spirit. How many here know that God is good? How many here know that God is good? It's a little more like it, Utah. How many here like coming to church on Sunday? All right. Now, all my life I've known that God is good. All my life, for the most part, I've enjoyed coming to church on Sunday. But I've never seen God like I saw him when I went out there. That was amazing. But the problem with that is I shouldn't have to fly all the way out to Japan and then take another flight to the Philippines to really see who God is. I shouldn't have to do that. Now, like I shared first service, I've known God for 16 years now. And it's always been, oh yeah, God is good. Amen. I love the Lord. But it's never been, whoa. God is good. A little too good. I can't handle this. 
God wants the same impact that he's having over there in the Philippines over here in Utah. Now, there's a lot more of you here than there were in first service. But the message for you is still the same. Each and every one of you that is sitting down in this service has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, yes, God has a plan, a purpose to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Yeah, I say that all the time. But do I, do I believe it? I believed it half-heartedly for so long. And that verse is not something that you can believe half-heartedly and get anything out of. You either believe it or you don't believe it. If you want to experience the power of God, if you want all that he has for you, if you want to live the life that he has planned out for you, then we need to believe that verse with all of who we are. Personally, I'm, I'm so tired of not living 100% for God. I was worn out. I was done. I was getting to the point where, you know, I've been a Christian all my life. Praise Jesus. What the heck does that even mean? God doesn't make mistakes. He never makes mistakes. And never, 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 never is there ever any coincidence with the Lord. So the fact that you're here today, there's a reason for that. Now, who can genuinely say they believe in God in this room? I want to see all your hands. Who believes in the Lord? Come on, if you do, raise your hand and raise it high. No half-hearted stuff. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) Okay, you can put them down. So I, I saw pretty much all of you raise your hands, and that makes me really happy. Not because we have a huge church attendance, but for every hand I saw raised, that means God is supposed to be working through you or can be working through you. You know, something that I've, I've really felt that God has, has been speaking to me lately personally and something I want to share with you is that we are supposed to be the lights of the world. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have hard times. That doesn't mean we can't be broken. We should be broken before Christ. Because in order to be the light that God has called us to be, just like Hebrews said, we can't let ourselves get in the way. The instant we try to do it by ourselves, we fail. We already fail. When we think it's anything of ourselves, we already fail. When we try to achieve what God has for us to achieve, and we do it on our own works and our own power, then we already fail. But God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. He has a plan for you to share the gospel, to live righteously, to love him, and have a life fulfilled. But we need to chase after him with all of us and all of what we have. 
And until that happens, we will not be able to experience the life that he has for each and every one of you. God loves us. And I've known that all my life, but I haven't really known it. God loves us. And he wants us. He wants us so badly. He wants us so badly that he relentlessly chases after us all the time, 24-7. But we just need to recognize that. It's not us chasing after God. It's God chasing after us and us responding to that and us realizing that he's chasing after us. He wants us so badly that he's not going to give up on us. And if we can know that, if we can believe that with all of our hearts, and if we can even fathom the love that he has for each and every one of us, then that love is going to be able to pour out on the people around us. But we have to recognize God's love for us. We have to recognize that he wants us so badly that he will do anything, even die on a cross, to help us recognize that he loves us. To help us recognize that we are not a mistake. To help us recognize that we have a mission. That we have a life in him. A life that a lot of us have maybe seen a little glimpse of, or maybe seen a lot of. But that life is something that we can't imagine without giving him our all. And I just want to encourage you, if you want that life, it's time to give God your all. God is not a mediocre God. God is not a stagnant God. God is an awesome God with all of the meaning put behind that word. That word is meant to describe God in a way that none of us can even fathom. There's no time for mediocrity here. There's only time for 100% giving our lives to God. God loves each and every one of you. And he wants you to have that life and have it to the fullest. That sweet life with God. And that's what he showed me over there. So that's all I have for you. Wow, it's, uh, it's good, to be, <clears throat> good to be home. Uh, it's good to see so many of you guys. Uh, I stayed in the Philippines for nine months. Uh, this team was there. I got to spend an awesome ten days with them. Um, I'm like, no, I didn't plan anything. Uh, the Lord gave me a direction, and uh, I just decided I would let the Spirit fill me from there. So hopefully, again, what you hear is not coming from me. Um, I'd really like your ears just for one minute. Uh, this is my opportunity to glorify God to my American friends for the first time in nine months. So um, I actually wasn't going to share this, uh, but when I was praying over there, uh, I just felt like the Lord was telling me to share this with people. So ready or not, you know, I have to do it. Um, last year, uh, sometime around August, the Lord brought me through trials that I just couldn't bear up to. Um, I was literally brought to my knees, and I was just broken by it. Um, it's a type of trial that just distanced me so much from the Lord, or at least I felt distant from the Lord. And um, 
it got to a point where I was feeling so empty and so unable and so inept and so miserable and so broken that, um, you know, last year, uh, not too long after it actually happened, I was, you know, I was uh, basically about to, to commit suicide. You know, I was going to kill myself because I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't think about anything. I couldn't, I was so empty that I didn't know if I'd be losing anything by dying. Um, the Lord miraculously saved me from that situation, but from there I was still broken. And I was still trying to fix myself. And that was the key difference is I was always saying, you know, if I can just do this, you know, if I can, you know, get rid of these habits, if I can do these things, then maybe I'll just be good enough that I can be the person that I used to be. And that was my goal. I just wanted to be the person that I used to be, the person that I thought everyone was expecting me to be. And so that was my life for a while. And all that that brought for me was brokenness and more broken relationships. It got to the point where I couldn't hold a relationship with anyone. I didn't have real relationships with anyone. I didn't even believe in love anymore. And I know that sounds like a stupid like love song, like you made me not believe in love anymore. But no, that was a real thing. I thought I was incapable of being loved. I thought I was incapable of understanding love ever again. I was so broken. I was destroyed on the inside, and I was sinning. I was messing up in pretty much every way you can think about or imagine. You know, and here I am, and I'm convicted by it. I knew it. I was reading the Bible, and I'm like, I'm this Christian kid, this kid who's supposed to be one of the children of God, and the only way I can define myself and the only way I can relate with myself is as a failure in every way. I didn't think... David, I thought failure, fool, idiot, broken, empty. I didn't know what to think anymore. So when the Lord called me to the Philippines, I didn't think I was going to be any help. I thought, you know, nothing is working, so I'm, I might as well go. You know, if I'm hearing God right, you know, at least I'm hearing anything. Because I was so distant from God, I wasn't hearing him. I wasn't following him. I didn't know what he was saying anymore. Well, uh, a little bit about my Philippines job. The second I stepped off the plane, I was in charge of kids' ministry, the kid venture there, which was tough, <laughs> really tough. I had the language barrier and a very hot room. Um, but uh, the Lord started working in that. Um, I was uh, being mentored by Kevin very closely. I was living, basically, there were nights, there were weeks where I was sleeping in the same room with him and his family, so... Kevin and I were, were, we had a very close relationship, um, very close, uh, and uh, uh, he was a mentor to me. Uh, I, over time, became the youth leader there. Uh, I was put in charge of the youth group that Kevin kick-started, and it was amazing because I went there as nothing, and I knew it. There was no doubt in my mind that people who sinned and didn't know God, they were bad. People who sinned and knew God, they were bad. And then there was me who was living almost an entire lifestyle of sin, and I knew God, and I couldn't fix myself. And I knew that, and I, I was so tired of trying. The Lord took everything from me over time. 
I was in a bungalow uh, in a jungle with huge bugs, no AC. Um, my pillow was always wet because of all the humidity. Um, very little communication for a long time because uh, my phone was weird and whatever. And no, no friends who spoke English. Um, I was alone. And as I was alone, I was still dealing with some of this anxiety, but the Lord, not me, but God, decided to start to heal me in that. God took me when I was broken completely. There was not one part of me that was functional. And that's when God decided to use me. And I couldn't explain why, but I knew that these things that were happening that were making changes in me that I couldn't make myself were not just coincidence. Like Noah said, there is no coincidence. So when I would be going through a trial of loneliness, the Lord would say, I'm making you lonely so I can fill you. When I was going through a trial of um, like difficulty, the Lord was saying, I'm making this difficult to make you stronger. When I was going through a trial of uh, emptiness, the Lord was saying, I'm showing you emptiness so that I can teach you real love. And the Lord did all of these things in me. And when I went there, I was, I was basically fighting with my parents every day. I was struggling with all of my relationships. By the time I've come back, I was the leader of one of the biggest youth groups in the division, all right? I was uh, the leader of the, kid, the kids' church, which ended up doing these huge feedings with hundreds of kids in each, and I was in charge of those, the children's part of those feedings. And then I was assisting the president for the Foursquare Youth Division. And I'm thinking to myself, God, what happened? Why did you choose me? Because I knew, and I still know, that without him, I'm nothing But for all of those of you who feel like you're nothing, even if you know the Lord, because you can know the Lord and still struggle, the Lord is the one who will fix you. Literally, all I did was I just started walking in the direction, a lot of days literally walking and praying at the same time. I just started walking in the direction that the Lord led me, and He gave me this position of honor. Not that I should be honored, but that the Lord made that in me. You guys need to understand that where you're at right now, that's where God will use you. Not where you think you should be and not where you're going to try and get to, but where you're at right now. And that's okay if that's, that's somewhere where you're struggling because God is bigger than our struggles. And when the Lord used me, he told me that he can use anyone and we are called according to his purpose, his plan and his purpose. We're not called according to our own righteousness because that's how the Lord is. That's the love that the Lord shows. We always talk about, we always talk about the Lord uses those that are not to shame those that are. But we always forget to mention how amazing it is to be those that are not and used and used by God to, to inspire those who are. God can use anyone. And the Lord has restoration for anyone who's feeling broken. And I just want to encourage you guys to walk in that. Thank you. And as you could see, a lot of impact was made, not only in the Philippines, but in the lives of the people that went. You know, and our heart for sharing this this morning is, is to one, to just pass that on of what God is doing in the Philippines. 
It was incredible to be able to pray with people and to, as it was mentioned, build a foundation for two churches that were going to be meeting there and all the stuff that happened. But it was also great to see God working in people's lives as they come back. And okay, what is that going to mean? What is that going to show us? And um, I'm just going to share just real quick and, and kind of pull this all together. As, as was mentioned with Justin mentioned going to the Philippines before, I, last time I was in the Philippines was my first big mission trip 31 years ago. I was a 16-year-old kid, and God said, I want you to go on missions. And God gave me an incredible heart for going to missions. And it was incredible to go back and, and to be a part of an incredible team that was ministering in so many different ways and seeing what God was doing in, in the lives of, of not only our team but in everybody that we reached. You know, the simple things that we were doing in building a foundation um, was reaching out because some of our team was at that time, as, as some of us were working, were going out and just praying with people and talking with people. But when a, a group of 15 white Americans shows up in a neighborhood, it's like the talk starts to go. <laughs> And pretty soon we'd look around and, and we'd have a group of people just standing there watching us, watching our lives. You know, little kids, it was amazing. Anytime we went just on a, I took Brooke and Noah on a little walk, and pretty soon we turned around and there's like 15 kids following us. <laughs> Everywhere you went, it was just like, and it'd just kind of be following you. And it was an opportunity just to be Christ where you're at. And, and the, the thing I want to challenge you guys with in, in closing this all together is, you know, maybe, and I think each one of the groups shared this, maybe God is saying to you, have you ever asked me about going on a mission trip? Have you ever asked me about serving in that capacity? And maybe you have, and, and God says, no, that's not for you. But what can you do in the sense of, of serving God and, and, and being challenged in that way? And, and it took us out of our comfort zone. I put down here, is, is Jesus enough? We, we sang a song, and, and Adelphi hit it on the head of, it is well with my soul. And is Jesus enough is, like dying on the cross wasn't enough for us. Getting forgiveness for our sins, being, being debt-free from the guilt of our sins is not enough for us. Because a lot of times we're like, okay, Jesus, now what are you going to do? Man, you better give me financial prosperity. You better not let me go through any trials. I don't want to lose anybody close to me, because that means you don't love me. And God's saying, the sacrifice of my son wasn't enough. You know, we want everything to go well for us, and yet we go to another country, and we see people crying out to Jesus and saying, Jesus is enough. Amen. Having Jesus is all I need because they don't have the distractions that we have. They don't have all the things that we think that we need to have if Jesus is God of our life. God wants all of you. He is God of all exclamation point, or is he God at all? And, and, and that's my challenge to each one of us. You know, we went there, and, and it was out of our comfort zone. You know, I've never sweat so much in my life. You know, I'm like, oh, Lord. And we went during the cool season, you know, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I don't know if I could live here, God. You know, and, and to try to sleep, and, and you're just laying there, and you have a fan on you, and you're just like, I don't even think I can sleep. And then there was these little ants all night long that decided to bite you all night. And then around 4 a.m. every morning, there was at least 12 roosters <laughs> that would sit outside our apartment and just like, hey, wake up. Um, and all these things. And I'm like, man, all these distractions and all this, you know, you're taking me out of my comfort zone. 
And you're taking me away from all the comforts that, that I want and, and the food and the traveling and, and the traffic and all these different things. And yet God is saying, you know what? These people need Christ. Amen. It's not about your comfort. It's not about you always getting what you want. The call of God is one of surrender. God calls you to give up everything and follow him. And we think that's just for the missionaries. We think that's for people that give up the life here in the States like Kevin. And they go and live in a place like the Philippines. And we watched Kevin and his life is a life of Jesus Christ. Every day he walks through the neighborhood and he's sharing Christ as he's walking through the neighborhood. They see Kevin coming and people come up and and want his blessing and want a prayer from him. Because they know Kevin represents Jesus Christ. So every day he got up and he lived this life of Christ. We're thinking, oh, that's great. He's a missionary. He should be doing that. But we live in the same type of world. We live in the same world and our life should be the same way. And yet we add Jesus Christ to our life instead of living for Jesus Christ and giving him our all. Matthew 4, 19 and 20 says, he says, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. God wants every part of us, not just bits and pieces. God has never called us to be comfortable. He calls us to be faithful. And yet we want to be comfortable. If I'm serving God, I better be comfortable. And he says, you know what? I want you to just be faithful. If it's faithful to go on a mission trip, go on a mission trip. If it's faithful to witness to your neighbor, witness to your neighbor. If it's faithful to share Christ on the job, share Christ on the job. Whatever that is, because God deserves all of you. 1 John 3 one says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, children of God. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. His forgiveness is unimaginable. His mercy is unbelievable. And his gifts are beyond reason. In our lives, we give Jesus control of just certain parts of us. But there are certain areas we try to hold on for ourselves. And Noah shared that. Shared that exact thing. You know, we think it's enough that maybe we give twice a week to God. But the rest of it, we want to live for ourselves. We want to have our comforts and all those types of things. And, and I'm going to close with this verse found in Luke 9, 23 and 24, where Jesus lays it out pretty clearly. Then he said to them, all, not just parts of them, he said to them all, not just the missionaries, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. And so it was a great time. And, and, and my challenge to, to many of you guys is, is, man, come and ask these guys their stories. And come in here, even second service, some of the, the different team members are going to share their stories. But it doesn't take a missions trip for God to affect your life, to God to impact your life. Because his scripture says right there, that he wants all of us. Not just for 10 days of serving him, but he says, I want your whole life. I want everything you have. Because isn't that enough that I died for your sins? To give me some of your life? To not just be worried about your own comforts? 
And so I'm going to close in prayer. And, and if there's anybody out there and, and they're like, man, I want Jesus to be that Jesus in my life. You know, Miranda shared, I, I love that she was picked to, to be on that first prayer team because her eyes got this big. She's like, what? You know, and, and, and yet you saw God working through her as she just heard from God and began to pray for these people. And the next day we mixed it up and we had a whole new team and their eyes were that big, like, uh, what am I going to pray? What if they don't understand me? And I said, God's understanding you. You're not praying to that person. You don't have to impress that person. God's going to impress that person. Just pray. And, and so this team is available. If you're out there and, and you don't know who Jesus Christ is or you don't know Jesus in the same way, if Jesus isn't your all in all, every one of these team members would be willing to pray with you. Because it's not what they're going to say. It's what God's going to say to you. And so as I close in prayer, I thank you as a church for supporting us. Many of us financially, but also in your prayers. Because they were felt. And they were needed. But we want to challenge you guys where we live now. To make Jesus your all. And to live every life of denying yourself and saying, God, use me today in an amazing way. So Father God, I thank you, Lord. First of all, Lord, we pray for Kevin right now. God, as he is ministering or going to be ministering in his church and sharing Christ to people, Lord. And then moving from there, they go to a second service. And, and many of us were part of two or three services on a Sunday, God. And they were meeting some in buildings and some in little huts with barely a roof over their head. And yet they gathered in and they were so anxious And they cried out in worship, and you could hear them singing at the top of their lungs, not to impress anybody, but to say, Jesus, I love you. And then they just sat there soaking in the word of God. Lord, help us to be people like that, that we worship you, Lord, with all of our hearts, not to be heard by man, but to be heard by you. And God, that we cry out to you and say, God, I want to know more of you. God, I want to be used by you, whether it's going overseas, whether it's in my office, it's in my own home, whether it's in my church, in my neighborhood, whatever it is, God, I want to be used by you. I want to feel your power in my life as I speak it out to others. God, help us to leave this service, not with just another hurrah that was a great for that team, but to leave this service saying, God, convict my own heart. What is it that you're asking me to do? What is it that you're challenging me this morning? And God, let me leave this room a changed person, a challenged person. So Lord, we give you this morning. God, we thank you for an incredible experience that we went through. But more importantly, God, it's not what you spoke to us, but what you're speaking through us to others. That's the most important thing. So God, we give you this morning. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing. In your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks you for being a part of what we got to experience. And again, the team is up here. If you just want to chat with them or if you want to pray with them, they're open and willing to talk with you guys. God bless you.